Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Howdy, FCS football fans and football bettors. I'm David Graff. I'm here to tell you that Ryan and Coulter will be along shortly. It's a little bit of a different FCS speculators this week because Ryan and Coulter covered the spreads and the matchups for the Big Sky games in their regular radio program, Tutel and Nuanas, on 102.9 FM ESPN Missoula. So they talk about the Weber State, Kennesaw State matchup, Sac State, Austin P matchup, and Montana and Montana State's games, of course. We also have four guests. These four guests have been on the show before. Some of them are red hot with their picks. We've got Mike Gegenheimer, who covers Nichols, who's back. We have Randy Reinhardt, who covers Illinois State, who's back. We have Jim Nelson, who covers Northern Iowa back. And then we have Steve Edelson, who covers Monmouth, returning for his second appearance on FCS Speculators. These four guys cover teams that are all traveling on the road for their games. So the questions that we ask them are a little bit geared towards that. The first question that we're asking is, what is your team expecting from the opposing team's environment? The second question is what complications or difficulties are surrounding this team, whether it's preparation, travel, injuries, weather, etc. Just is there anything going on with this team that is going to be a hardship? We want to know. Then we ask them, only one team won on the road in the first round, so what's it going to take for the team that you cover to get a road win? Then we mix it up a little bit and ask them, what do they think the line should be? Where did they think it was at? Where did they think Vegas's head was at? They gave us a guess. Then we told them the line, and they made their picks. Enjoy, guys. Coulter, we like to uh, look at these things against the numbers and look, use the numbers as, a, as an entry point to talk about the games, how competitive we expect them to be, and, and you know all of that. So let's take a look, shall we, Coulter, at the 
Big Sky Conference teams that are hosting games on Saturday, four of them, and uh, the uh, the numbers that accompany them against their opponents. We'll start with the Montana Grizzlies, who are a uh, 12-point favorite against Southeastern Louisiana, against Southeastern Louisiana, coming off of uh, really the game of the first round, a 45-44 win over uh, Villanova. It was... A a moderately controversial victory, but nonetheless an outstanding win uh, for uh, the Lions of southeastern Louisiana. They come to uh, Missoula Coulter and the Grizzlies having a bye, a very uh, needed one, a needed break, both uh, emotionally, mentally, and certainly physically for this team as well. They end up being a 12-point favorite as the sixth seed in the uh, Big Sky Conference. What do you think about the Grizzlies as 12-point favorites against southeastern Louisiana? I think that some of the matchups are going to favor the Grizz. We're going to hear from Frank Selfo, the head coach of Southeastern Louisiana, a little later on this week. Um, but listening to some of his pre- preliminary addressing of the press and, and some of his media stuff, press conferences and things like that, I thought he had an interesting take on how to scout and learn about a foreign opponent, which I think that's one of the key parts of this time of year in the FCS. And I think you have a distinct advantage when you get a week off because you get to watch everybody. And you have an extra amount of time to scout them while the other team is playing. But he, Selfo said multiple times, you know, the way we try to teach our team is by comparing them to players in the Southland. And he specifically mentioned in one of his press conferences, I can't remember which one, but about, he was comparing Dante Olsen to Brendan Young, who was the Southland's leading tackler. He's a sophomore linebacker from... Houston Baptist. I don't want to sound like a smart Alec, but I tell you, I guarantee you that that, that Brennan Young is not as good as Dante Olson. For sure, he's not. And so, but the comparison is just to try and draw a level of familiarity about type and and what when when there's no comp for a person. I mean, we do this all the time, don't we? Yes, and I think this is what I teased yesterday that we didn't actually get to have the discussion. I think that there is a distinct element, like so many of these teams from the Southland Conference, from the Southern Conference, because of the, the places they recruit and the type of guys that they get and where they come from, when you just watch them on film initially, so many of these teams, they just look so good because they have guys that come from high-level football areas like Georgia and Florida and Louisiana and Texas. you got big, long, strong, fast athletes. And I think sometimes you watch the Montana film, the Montana State film, and you see guys like Josh Hill and Jace Lewis. They fit no prototype. They would likely not get recruited by any school in the country if they weren't from Montana. But they went to small schools in Montana and earned their way. And now that they're, in Jace Lewis's case, a fourth-year junior, and in Josh Hill's case, a fifth-year senior, 6'1", 205 pounds means nothing because these guys are exceptional players. I mean, Josh Hill is a first-team all-league guy. Talk about an unbelievable story. The guy's coming off of back surgery. He missed all of last year with back surgery, and he comes back this year. He's a first-team all-conference guy. So I think that there's an element of when you're one of these teams from the Southland, you're like, oh, these guys don't look nearly as athletic as the teams we've been playing on film. Mm. And then you get up to the 25,000-plus person venue with people screaming down your neck, and people are freaking out, and it's way colder than you imagine it to be, and the Hellgate winds are blowing, and all of a sudden... Jace Lewis hits you in the hole, and it's like, man, that's not what it looked like on film. Well, it does hurt more when your pads are frozen. 
that that much is sure. Although they won't be on Saturday, it's not going to be that cold. But Robbie Houck is a great example. Speaking. Robbie Houck is a great example. What do you yes. think that teams from the South think of Robbie Houck the first time they put the him same on thing? Himself? I think that teams from everywhere think about Robbie Houck, and and then you play against him and you're like. Well, dang, <laughs> he's got 12 <laughs> tackles. Right. Runs, runs the ball every play. Right. And so I guess a lot of the intangibles of heart and effort and stuff like that doesn't show up on film. And I do think that even though the Montana schools have such great tradition, a lot of times they get underestimated. Mm. And the, the Southeastern Louisiana team, I think, is, is a good team. I think they have some good players. But I think that 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 spread is, is just about right on the money and, and maybe even a little bit low. I mean, I, I could see... Montana winning this game by two scores or more. Yeah, I I do think the again sort of the 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 meta narrative, the background of this thing to me is still going to be contextualized within the scope of the Montana State game. And when you look at southeastern Louisiana, it is a really good football team that isn't as good as Montana is in a vacuum. But also this game isn't played in a vacuum. It's played as the next game after one of the more, first of all, objectively lopsided, and I would also say embarrassing losses in Montana in, in recent Montana history. And the bye week does a lot to get you away from that. The fact that you're in the playoffs for the first time in four years, and so all the seniors you know, who didn't beat Montana State over the course of their careers still have an opportunity at a, at a measure of redemption, and I think that is certainly something they can and should spin into a positive in this thing. But I, we won't know until kickoff the, the level of uh, effort isn't really the right word. I think that... If you looked at Montana play against Weber State and then you watched them play against Montana State, you would say they had far more effort against Weber State than they had against Montana State. But that wouldn't really be accurate. I don't think anybody tried any less against Montana State than they tried against Weber. But some days you're able to... It's the gusto. It, yes, you're What's able to arrive you? at a place that you couldn't arrive for whatever reason at the next spot. And if you can't arrive at that Saturday because of what happened a week and a half ago, that is going to be very telling in the way this game goes. But from a football standpoint, I I think the minus 12 is probably valid, and especially at home and all that, you probably go to the side of the Grizzlies on that. And the, we argue all the time about momentum and how big is momentum and the different sorts of momentum and the momentum within a game, particularly when you have a, the style that Montana plays on both sides of the ball. Getting rolling is so key, and Montana has proven that they can get rolling within the scope of a game at multiple times. 10 minutes in the game, 20 minutes in the game, after halftime. But when they do, they just annihilate yeah, people. I mean, they've they gone have. on 28 nothing runs. The opposite factor, though, is much like Weaver State. Weaver State had not trailed by more than seven points in a single football game until they came to Missoula. They were down 21-3. They were in a state of disarray. They had nothing to go to. It's very similar to Montana. Montana's dug itself some holes, 17 nothing against Idaho State, 10 nothing against Idaho. But that was early when the Cats just kept Hammering them, Montana had really no answers. But the momentum of a game for against an opponent that's never been here, I think that it's just human nature that you're going to almost inevitably underestimate almost everything you're going to face on Saturday if you're southeastern Louisiana. Some of the biggest beatdowns I've ever seen are Southland teams coming to Missoula in the playoffs, and I expect that to be the case again. I, I think Montana nine and a half is not enough for me. I take Montana even if it was minus fourteen. 
Montana State, 12 isn't enough for you. Oh, excuse, excuse me. I was yeah, looking yeah, at the, yeah, the Montana yeah. State spread. Um, I, but you it's still, 12's not enough. I, yeah. I, would, I would say the Grizzlies are two touchdowns favorites. Speaking of Montana State, let's go to the Cats hosting Albany. A nine and a half point favorite for Montana State over Albany. Here's where I'm at with this game as I've looked at it, as I've watched this Albany team. And, and, uh, and again, we're going to have here in about oh, a half an hour from now, uh, we will have uh, Jeff Undercuffler is the quarterback of Albany on the show. But here's where I'm at when it comes to Albany, Montana State. Albany is a better team than what people think that they are. Albany's a four-loss team. One of those is to an FBS opponent. Two of those were by three points, one of which was in overtime to Monmouth, who was, by the way, also in the second round of these FCS playoffs. The only game they lost the FCS level that was, you know, a double-digit score, I think it was 11 or 14 points to Maine. Other than that, this is a team that has only won football games. I think they're, I, Jeff Undercuffler has uh, thrown for 39 touchdowns this year, set a national uh, uh, freshman mark for touchdown passing, and is also just sort of overlooked because they don't have the history that a lot of the other teams do in this FCS playoff, having just having won their first ever playoff game this past Saturday. So this is a this is a good football team that is better than what people think. I also think it's a really bad matchup for Albany. Horrible. You have talked extensively about the fact that what Montana what Montana State, we all know, wants to do ultimately is run the football, and they have run it better than everybody else in the Big Sky Conference. And actually, Albany has a defense that is predicated on tackles for loss, getting after the quarterback, and actually sort of giving up running yards the way the Grizzlies give up passing yards. Looking at running yards as something like empty calories where we'll give up some to get some on the other end. But if you don't throw the ball all that much and you only want to run it, there isn't another end for that to get to. And I think Albany is in big, big trouble, not because they're not a good team, because they are, but because they do not set up well defensively when Montana State has the ball, and I can see the Cats just running all day at will. Jeff Choate is always energetic and fired up <laughs> at his Monday press conferences. Yep. He's always very detailed in breaking down the scheme. I thought he broke down the scheme of what Albany does, particularly on defense, in more detail than any other game that he has previewed so far this year. He talked extensively all about the post-snap movement and that sounds that might sound like a, a rhetorical statement. Oh, of course, your post snap movement, you're moving, you're getting off the ball. But what he means is they're not playing gap sound defense; they're jumping gaps, stunting, twisting, moving, and, shifting. And like you're lining up in the a gap, for example, and then right when it's ball snap, it doesn't matter what the play is doing; you're jumping over here. And a lot of times you run head-on into a tackle for loss. They get by with a 229-pound edge rusher in Eli Metzer. They get by with the Walker kid, who's a five foot eight, 268-pound defensive tackle. Those guys are incredibly quick, incredibly athletic. But they're jumping gaps. What does Montana State do? Gaps scheme you to death. And they, if you are out of gaps, which Montana got out of gaps all day in the Kakariz game... Mm-hmm. 390 yards later, and that's the thing about Montana State, too, especially if Troy Anderson's out. I actually think Troy Anderson's the best player on the Bobcats. He's one of the best players I've ever seen for the Bobcats. But not having him, it allows you to keep it a little bit more simple. And Montana State, they have so many so many tricks up their sleeve. It's not as if they just 
throw in a fly sweep motion for this week. They've been doing it all year. They've been doing the jet sweep stuff all year. They've been doing power, counter, and inside zone, which are their bread and butter, outside zone. They can run it all. And now that Isaiah Infonse, Infonse is healthy, Logan Jones is healthy, now you can just run an array of ball carriers. You can, whatever Albany decides to do, Montana State's just going to be able to say, okay, we're going to go here. And I agree with you. I just think that Montana State's offensive line is so much more physically formidable combined with the bad matchup from a scheme perspective. I think Montana State's going to be able to run the ball at will on um, Saturday. And by the way, we don't know yet, right, that Troy Anderson isn't playing no, in this game. right. It's questionable, and it's always questionable. On the other side of the ball, quickly, just Coulter... This is a team that obviously likes to throw the ball. They have an outstanding wide receiver, uh, Albany does, and obviously a very confident and 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 good quarterback in undercuffler. Montana State's got an outstanding defense and a really good pass rush. They do. Uh, for sure. I think that Albany will score some points in this game, but also I think Montana State is going to get theirs defensively too. How do you see that just briefly? Well, Honestly, it's a bad matchup for the Cats just because their best corner, their best man corner, Munchie Filer, has been out all year, and I expect that to probably be the case. Although he's played in a couple games and he, he still could preserve his redshirt and play this game, so maybe I'm not sure. But either way, Damian Washington's done a really good job as a zone corner. You don't want to play zone against Jawan Green because they take shots down the field. I mean, Choate said it. He said we broke down five games of film, fifty-six downfield shots. That's about 11 a game. That's like Northern Arizona. But Tess did a good job against Northern Arizona, and that's who this offense reminds me of. I think Undercuffler is very much like Case Cook. He's throw the ball down the field. He can really spin it. That said, though, I think that Montana State will have an advantage in the trenches on this side as well. It's just going to come down to how do they mix coverages and make Undercuffler hold on to the ball just a little bit longer? Because if they can, they'll be able to get home. They just got to avoid... Guys like Damian Washington and Tyrell Thomas get, getting exploited if they get into those one-on-ones against Juwan Green. Colton, let's run over uh, to Weaver State and Sac State as well. It's 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. To tell one is here with you. In case you couldn't tell by the pick, Montana State minus 12, I got that as well. Montana State minus 9.5. Oh, gosh, I keep looking. I got the, the lines are right <laughs> over the team. I, I got you. I, I got you. the Cats to cover. Montana State covered 9.5. I'm with you on that. Uh, Weber State, a 12-point favorite versus Kennesaw State. It's a very intriguing matchup, man. Kennesaw State, they their strength of schedule is just not as good as a lot of teams, but they are 10 and two. They just came off a, a great win in the first round of the uh, of the of the playoffs, and now find themselves on the road at obviously another very good team in Weber State. It's a very interesting matchup. I don't know a ton about Kennesaw State other than they're a very young FCS team in terms of only having been around for five years or so. But they've been they were at the top of the FCS. I mean, within the first two to three years of being right. in the FCS. So this team, this season at Weber State, I don't know. They're a 12-point dog on the road. Well, Brian Bohannon, he comes from the Paul Johnson coaching tree. He was with Paul Johnson at Georgia Southern when they were uh, FCS power. Those guys then went to Navy and Georgia Tech. So they're triple option gurus. And then Brian Bohannon started the program at Kennesaw State, and they've run the triple option with more success than anybody in the country at the FCS level, quite honestly. And you could talk about the conference not being as good and the strength of schedule not being great. But at the end of the day, 33 wins in three years doesn't lie. I mean, you, it doesn't matter who you're playing. And they've played Montana State in Monta- in Bozeman a couple years back. That said, Cal Poly is always the outlier and the nightmare team in the Big Sky Conference to prepare for, even though they haven't been that good lately. Teams don't, I mean, it's, it's an anomaly within the scope of a Big Sky schedule to prepare for them. 
Weaver State, Jay Hill has done as good a job as anybody has prepared at preparing for Cal Poly. A couple years ago, he put Corey Thompson, his all-league fullback, at strong safety and had to run the alley. And said, you versus Joe Prothrow, go. And Corey Thompson, in this one and only game he ever played defense, was the Big Sky Conference Player of the Week. <laughs> had like 20 tackles. Pretty, pretty good. Batting a thousand just, for just said, hey, when Prothrow gets the ball, P-O-W. go. Hit him. Yeah. So uh, I expect Jay Hill to have this thing schemed up. I also think the fact is there was pictures on Twitter the other day of Ogden, a ton of snow there. Yeah. And as Jeff Choate said, on Monday, sometimes the weather and the altitude and all that stuff is a little bit overblown. And we've seen teams from warm weather come to Montana and play well. The triple option is one style where it doesn't it's not the cold, it's the wet. If the ball's wet, that's a really big disadvantage for triple yeah. option team. So I, I just think I, I think Jay Hill will have his guys ready to go. I think Weber State's going to win that game going away. I, uh, I like Weber State to win this game, but I am going to take Kennesaw State to cover for two reasons. One, regardless of the weather... I think you'd rather, uh, of course, if the ball's wet, it's not ideal for anybody, maybe particularly a triple option team. But also, if it's going to be ugly and snowing out there, it's better than being a straight passing team, uh, in my mind. And also, Weber State is still, as far as I'm aware, pretty banged up. Like, I don't know what the all-hat... Now, I think defensively they're in good shape, and I agree with you. I think that Kennesaw State is going to find very tough sledding, pardon the pun, uh, come come Saturday at Weber State. But I also, I'm, I, I don't know how much Weber State is going to get done on offense with a couple of their big, big-time skill guys uh if available, certainly not 100%, and perhaps not available at all. So I've got Kennesaw State against, you know, as as a at plus 12 to cover that up, even though I do think Weber State wins this thing, say, by 10. Sacramento State, Coulter hosting Austin P. Austin P. may be the most surprising result of the uh, of the first round, a 42-6 to just domination of Furman, who was we thought was maybe a pretty good football team, but they uh, they got it handed to them last week. Austin P comes from Tennessee. They got to travel across the country. It's a night kickoff, a seven a, a six o'clock Pacific kickoff, nine o'clock Eastern, which is where Austin you know, that's the time zone that Austin P is in. Sacramento State is a thirteen point favorite. Far as I know, Kevin Thompson is 100%. All systems go, so I am all systems go with Sacramento State. I mean, they have they have been when healthy when Kevin Thompson's available, without question, the best team in the Big Sky Conference. They're playing a home game uh, against obviously a very a very sound and solid Austin P team. But I believe in what Troy Thompson and KT are getting done over there. Not to mention Andy Thompson uh, scheming it up defensively and George Obina. And so I'm going to take uh, Sacramento State uh, my Minus the 13 points to uh, to win that thing going away. When Sac State, after the little, not little, the the very memorable three-game run they went on to start 3-0, and when they destroyed Eastern Washington before we knew Eastern Washington was sort of middle of the road, when they destroyed Montana State, and all of a sudden we started thinking, is Montana State maybe not what we thought they were? And then they destroyed Montana, and you're like, oh, actually, Sac State is just straight up for real. And then after they lost that Weaver State game, for whatever reason, it made them lose their luster, even though they shared the Big Sky Conference title. And I think part of that is just the injury and the uncertainty surrounding Kevin Thompson. They needed a miracle comeback to win at NAU. But I still think that team... Which they got and did. They got and they did, and then Kevin Thompson returned the next week. And you know, it's like we talked about earlier, too. Sometimes when you beat a team that hasn't lived up to their own expectations, it doesn't seem like as good of a win. Beating UC Davis, your rival, is a good win. That's a for sure. good win. Yep. And... Um, so I think that they've lost a little bit of their their hype, but they're still the number four team in the country. 
And with Kevin Thompson at the helm, how great of a play caller Troy Taylor is. But more importantly, the the formula that they've crafted on defense. I mean, they have one of the best cover corners in the in the country in, in Duran Bland. Darren Chotes, he's I mean, he's got 18 times for loss. He's leading the league as a as a true three-tech interior guy. I mean, he, he's a, a menace on the interior of their line. And then you unleash George Obina on third and long. I couldn't believe he wasn't on the Buck Buchanan finalist list. I would have voted for him straight up over all the other guys in the Big Sky Conference. And I have a high regard for both Dante Olsen and Bryce Sterk. I thought Obina was the best guy in the league I saw this year. And so I think that Sac State has the formula, particularly to win the playoffs. And you look at Austin P. They're built around their quarterback. Uh, the kid is having a great year. Javon Craig, he's having a great year. And he's been really key to them surging. But if Sac can draw like they did in their last game against UC Davis, they get 20000 for a playoff game, that's going to be awesome. Yes. And they can have a real deal home field advantage. And you know, Austin P's a great story, a team in the playoffs for the first time, but I just don't think they're ready. I agree with you. I think Sac State is going to take care of business. Yeah. So I think the seeds will hold, and I think the Big Sky teams will move on, and I think the Big Sky teams will play each other in the final eight of the FCS playoffs. There you go. David Graff back here to remind you guys what each of these beat writers will be answering. They'll be answering these questions. What is your team expecting from the opposing team's environment? What complications or difficulties are there surrounding the team that you cover? Whether it's difficulties traveling, preparation, injuries, weather, whatever it may be, we want to know if there's something that they may struggle with. Only one team won on the road in the first round, and each of these guys cover a team that's traveling this weekend. So what is it going to take for the team that they cover to get a road win? Then we threw them a little twist. What do you think the line should be? Where do you think Vegas's head should be at? What would you say is a fair line for this game this weekend as somebody who's covered this team all season long? Then we told them what the actual line was, and they gave us a pick based on that number. We go to first Mike Gegenheimer, who covers Nichols, who's traveling to North Dakota State as a 28-point underdog. Mike Gegenheimer, I cover Nichols for the uh, Home Courier and uh, the Daily, uh, the Thibodeau Daily Comment um, down here in Louisiana. So I've been covering Nichols for about a year now, and. Uh, I'll be uh, I'll be up there with the team this weekend up in North Dakota. I don't know how much the environment's gonna gonna play an issue here. And Nichols does have some experience, and they played well in these big road games. Especially you, know, you look back four years ago, uh, they went to, to a Georgia team um, in um, the season opener for twenty was it sixteen. Uh, and that, that was Chase Borkade's college debut. It was his first start, his first game um, as a college player. Same goes for Sully Lash and a few of these other seniors that were there. Um, and they, they almost beat Georgia uh, on the road in you know, an SEC environment. It really doesn't get much tougher than that. The next year they go to Texas A&M. They give them a game down to the wire in the same kind of environment. Um, they beat Kansas last year. They go into Kansas State this year to get crushed, but you know, they still have that experience. Even last year uh, in the playoffs, going to an Eastern Washington team, again, it's you know that far up north. It's freezing cold. It was snowing a little bit that day. So they have some experience in those games. Even this year, uh, the Riverbelt Classic, 10,000 people in Hammond uh, on the road, a very hostile environment with a lot of people they know, a familiar uh, 
kind of a familiar opponent there. So, I mean, they, they kind of know what to expect in that tough environment. Obviously, North Dakota State is considered probably the best uh, venue in um, in the FCS, so we'll see how much different it is. But uh, I, I'd be more worried about the, the actual team than uh, and what, what the Bison have than I would be the, uh, the Fargo Dome and the environment there. I don't think there's too much. Um, I mean, Nichols doesn't really fly to a whole lot of places. Um, I know they did for Kansas State, and I believe they um, they rode the bus for the uh, the rest of the games. So they they usually don't fly a whole lot. Maybe that throws them off a little bit. I doubt it. Um, and, and then, of course, when you look at the Fargo Dome, it's obviously a dome. So they're not really going to have to be battling any uh, elements in the game. So it's really kind of the only time they're exposed to that uh, that North Dakota weather is going to be from the bus to the stadium, and I don't think that's going to throw them off too much. So I, I wouldn't really expect the um, the travel to take too much of a toll on them. If you're a fan of the FCS, you know what North Dakota State is. I mean, <clears throat> just an, an absolute power that, I mean, they're a dynasty that isn't just college football worthy. It's, you know, one of the best dynasties in all of sports when you look at uh, what they've done over the last decade. So uh, it, it's just a, a Herculean task for, for Nichols to have to go in there and try to pull an upset over the Bison, something that very, very few teams have done. Um, you know, North Dakota State is just as good as they were last year. I talked to uh, Coach Ince yesterday, the day before, um, he he's, he kind of brought up the point that they did lose a lot, so it's not a super experienced team. They've watched the, the exact phrase he uses. He, they've watched these postseason games, but they didn't actually play in them in past years. So um, I don't know how much their experience might help, uh, but I mean, still, they're they're obviously an incredibly incredibly talented team. It's going to take Nichols. Um, probably two things. They're going to have to play perfect. You know, and that means no turnovers, no penalties, things like that. But uh, also they're going to have to avoid that early punch in the mouth. So they can't go out there and give up a kickoff return for a touchdown. They can't, uh, you know, let a, a 50-yard touchdown pass on the first drive. They, they can't do that. They have to stay in that game and really kind of survive that initial shock of, okay, we're playing North Dakota State. They have to get a win early on, and then uh, and then kind of take it from there. Man, I think this is such a, a hard game to kind of judge that on because I think Nichols does have some top line talent that can hang with uh, um, with North Dakota State. You have guys like Dejan Dixon, Dixon and Sully West, uh, Julian Gums, the way he's been playing, Chase Forkid with the uh, the way he he can lead this team. Um, I think they do have that talent to hang with them. The question is going to be if they have depth and if they can kind of stand up to that intimidation factor of the North Dakota State. So I, I could see this game either being real close to the end. Or the 28, I think the last time I saw it, it was a 28-point spread. I'm not sure what y'all have, um, that, but that might even be too low. So, uh, I mean, I think it's either going to be one extreme or the other. And there's maybe that 28 kind of is a good in-between of those two possibilities, but uh, I really – I wouldn't want to be the one uh, kind of predicting this game because I think it's going to be tough to judge. One thing I should have mentioned here before is kind of put that 28-point spread into context in terms of uh, what Nichols has seen before. Um, you know, they were only a 22-point underdog when they went to a Power 5 Kansas State team this year. They were uh, only a 9.5-point underdog when they went to Kansas last year and beat them in overtime. 
um, last year when they went to Eastern Washington for the second round of the playoffs. Um, again, I mean, y'all are familiar with them and that, that good program. They were only a 20-point underdog. So that 28 points is just huge, really kind of unheard of with what this team has faced and probably going to be one of the toughest teams they've faced in the Rebo era outside of, uh, you know, those Georgias and Texas A&M teams that they played early on. Um, as far as uh, my, my prediction for the game, I mean, I think you'd kind of be silly to, to not say that North Dakota State is the heavy favorite and they most likely will win um, up, up, you know, straight up. But uh, that 28 points, ah, man. Um, I'm, I'm going to uh, say Nichols is going to cover. Uh, you give him 28 points, I, I think they'll, they'll be within that margin. Um, because I think they're, they're going to still have Dejan Dixon and Julian Gums, who are going to be able to move the ball a little bit. Um, I, I don't know if North Dakota State is going to beat them quite that bad, but I mean, I think straight up, you still got to, uh, you know, the, it's kind of that old saying where they're the best until someone beats them. You know, you, you want to beat the, you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And, you know, until someone does take down North Dakota State, that's going to be the, uh, the number one team. And I think you still got to give it to them there. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's uh, at Mike underscore Geggs, G-E-G-S. Um, it's a lot easier to, to remember than my, my actual last name here. But uh, um, that and then uh, our website is homewithtoday.com. Um, we should have some uh, some coverage throughout the week. And then uh, I will be up there um, this weekend trying to give as much coverage as I possibly can uh, out in Fargo. So um, looking forward to a, a real good game. I, I think uh, – because is healthy and um, should give him a fighting chance here. All right, thank you, Gags. We move on to the only road favorite, Illinois State, minus one. Randy Reinhardt here to break it down. I am Randy Reinhardt from the newspaper in Bloomington, Illinois, the Pantograph. I was there uh, three years ago when, uh, when the Redbirds played down there, so um, I'm sure they'll... I'm sure they'll have a good crowd, but the uh, you know the Redbirds are are used to uh, playing in front of some good crowds, so I don't I don't think the uh, the atmosphere will uh, will uh, bother them much. Well, I, I would say the the big thing is still the uh, season-ending injury to uh, a quarterback, Brady Davis. Uh, Bryce Jefferson uh, received his first start last week down at Southeast Missouri. Um, only threw seven passes, but. Uh, uh, completed four and handled the offense well, and of course, handing off to James Robinson was uh, was the key to uh, LA State's success last week. Well, I think the key for the Redbirds is to uh, be able to continue the running game. Uh, it's no secret that uh, the Redbirds are leaning very heavily on James Robinson. Uh, Southeast Missouri really uh, concentrated on trying to stop the run and just weren't able to do it. The uh, uh, Illinois State offensive line and Robinson were were very effective all day. So, so that's the key. If if Central Arkansas can can stop or really slow down the ISU running game, uh, the Redbirds are going to have a tough time. Well, uh, with Central Arkansas having a week off to rest and heal up, uh, having the home game, uh, I would expect it to be pretty close. But uh, I would guess uh, Central Arkansas to be maybe about a four point favorite. One point is is basically pick them. So, I would uh, I would take uh, I would take the Redbirds in this case. I think they're uh, they're playing well. They had a good game uh, 
last week. Their uh, defense is strong, which it will need to be against a very good passing team, but uh, I would take the Redbirds. Pantograph website is uh, pantograph.com, and I can be found on Twitter at PG uh, underscore Reinhardt. Thank you, Randy, another beat writer from the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Jim Nelson, who covers Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa is a nine-point underdog this weekend. Jim Nelson here. I'm with uh, Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier in uh, Waterloo, Iowa. I cover University of uh, Northern Iowa football, uh, amongst uh, many other things. Well, it's an interesting thing. I think it's supposed to be one of its warmer days of so far early December, late November. I think it's going to be in the 35, so it should be nice. I know they got some snow, so they've been shoveling out uh, Dana J. Dykehouse Stadium out. Uh, you know, I, I saw there was a Twitter picture where they were shoveling the snow off so the band could get in there. So, you know, uh, typically what I've been up there, it's a great place. It's an outstanding, one of the best FCS stadiums uh recently renovated millions of dollars put into it an indoor facility and everything really nice but in recent years went up there the crowds haven't been huge um and when it gets to the playoffs you know you have kids uh you know uh, you know and it's cold out uh, even less but it'll be a good atmosphere there they will there'll be there'll be ten thousand fans probably they are close to so it'll be a, it'll be a good atmosphere um but uh yeah i i don't know if that'll play a huge factor in the game uh because you and i have played up there i think in the last five years i think they played six times this is the second time they played in the playoffs so uh, I was talking to some of the seniors, and I go, yeah, this is like the sixth time we play these guys if you count my redshirt year. <laughs> One of the things, you know, is preparation for playing outside. Yeah, you know, everybody will say no, uh, you and I, Northern Iowa, is a, is a dome team. But, uh, you know, in recent weeks, uh, Coach Farley has taken them outside. Uh, I was about three weeks ago in preparation to go up to Brookings the last time. You and I was out and it had snowed in Waterloo Cedar Falls area, and they were outside and it was icy and it froze on top of them. So they went out to a high school stadium in Waterloo that's got uh, uh, turf, turf field, and uh, they practiced out that. It was about 10 degrees that night, and it was cold. And, they, and they've been doing that consistently in cold weather. Just prepare for these type of these games, those type of conditions. They have to go out and perform in it and you know challenge the team mentally to be prepared for that. So they've done that. The other thing is the travel with the NTA and them regionalizing you know, these second-round games, trying to save travel where they can. You and I has got to take a five-hour bus ride. They'll, they'll, they'll bus up to Sioux Falls where they'll stay overnight Friday, you know, and then it's about a 45-minute to 50-minute bus ride up to Brookings from Sioux Falls. Uh, and so that's a big thing, especially if you have some inter- in, uh, injured guys where you got to sit on that bus for five hours. You can't spread out, you know, where a flight is going to take you an hour. From here to, to Sioux Falls will probably be a 45-minute flight, if that. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's a part of the travel. That's a, that's a little difficult. That's hard on the body, especially, you know, when you've played 13, 14 games like they have now. So that, that is definitely a challenge for the Panthers where, you know, uh, you know a first-round bye would have been great for them. Well, the big thing is, you know, you look at you and I and they're fourth in the FCS in turnover margin. I think a plus 13. They're tied amongst four uh, teams at 13, uh, plus 13. These two teams played, uh, you know, three weeks ago when South Dakota State blew them out 38-7. In that game, they were a minus four. They had four turnovers. South Dakota State didn't turn the ball over once. Uh, one of those uh, turnovers, a fumble, was uh, returned for a touchdown. That was the key point. 17-7 early in the third quarter. You and I had the ball. They had just scored and forced a three and out. And then uh, the first play after that punt, after you and I got the ball back in a punt, uh, Will McElvain was hit. He fumbled. Yeah, and South Dakota State returned that for a touchdown. That was basically a game, and then uh, it ended up being 38-7. to So it went from a really close game with you and I with a chance to drive and score some points and get into it, back into it, to uh, a blowout really fast. So 
Uh, they got to take care of the ball. Uh, number one, uh, they got to go up there, take care of the ball. You know, they had an, another drive, the uh, opening drive of the game. They, uh, you and I drove inside the twenty and threw an interception. So, uh, you know, that was that was a you know turnovers played a big key. Uh, they got to find a way. You know, uh, to get some pressure on uh, the the, the, or the freshman quarterback who uh, completed I think his first fourteen passes in that game last year. They need to maybe rattle him up, change up their coverages so that Keaton Heady isn't you know comfortable sitting back there. The way he was, and 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 then they they got to find some offense. Their offense has struggled, you know, two out of the last three weeks. Uh, Isaiah Weston could play their thousand yard big play receiver could play this week. He played last week, kind of reaggravated the injury, uh, you know, diving for a ball. So we'll see if how much if he does play, it won't be a hundred percent. But we'll see if he plays. Uh, you know, they got some things they got. They got to find some offense because I think it's going to be a defensive game. But they, they got to find some offense. I think it's a low-scoring game. Uh, you know, I've seen some of the early lines come out. You know, I would probably put, you know, as South Dakota State probably at home with rest, uh, a seven, uh, seven. Uh, no, let me, let me, about a six-point favorite there, I'd say. I, I can tell you what, the, the injuries have really mounted up against you and I. They, they're going to go up there shorthanded. They, you know, you can dress 64 guys in the playoffs, and you and I didn't even dress. They didn't have 64 healthy guys last week. And I think they're throwing in the guys that registered, and they're not even going to, you know, they're not going to bring those guys out or dress them for this game. So they didn't even dress 64 guys last week. Uh, so that's how banged up they are. I don't know how many of those guys are going to get back. And then, you know, on top of that, South Dakota State had some guys that were injured who now have had an extra two weeks to get ready or to maybe get healthy in place. So I'm going to say uh, this is this going to be a close one, but I'm going to go South Dakota State 17 fourth. You, uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Nelly, N-E-L-L-U-I 13. I'll be tweeting live from the game on uh, Saturday, I think 1 o'clock kickoff Central Time. Finally, we have Steve Edelson, who covers Monmouth. Monmouth is a 27.5-point underdog at James Madison. Steve Edelson from the Asbury Park Press cover Monmouth football. Well, I think it's going to be a difficult environment for sure, um, James Madison's first playoff game of the year. But Monmouth has played in some tough places this year in the last few years. They played at Montana earlier this year. They were at Western Michigan. I don't really think that the environment is going to be much of an impact on this team. Monmouth got a little banged up on the offensive line. Uh, I think that is probably their their biggest issue going into this game. Um, Now, listen, they've had some injury problems along the offensive line all season, so guys have been kind of cycling through. So I think they're going to be able to overcome that, but but they may be a little shorthanded there. Also, their quarterback uh, hurt his hamstring. He is going to play might be slightly limited in terms of mobility, but I think those are probably the two biggest issues uh, are going to be injuries for them. Monmouth has moved the ball and scored points on pretty much everyone this year. Um, you know, the way They scored 45 points on Kennesaw State when they were the number one defense in FCS at the time. Uh, so I think Monmouth will be able to move it. I think they'll be able to score points. My question is how, how well their defense is going to hold up against the James Madison offense. Um, you know, so I, I think it may come down to can Monmouth score enough points against this team to, um, to, to make it a competitive game? Ooh, I would say the line is, is, is got to be two touchdown to 17-point favorite for James Madison. I think Monmouth can cover at 27-and-a-half. Um, again, like I said, you know, they – you know, they went down to Kennesaw State when they were number four in the country, and they were up 45-7 to seven midway through the third quarter. It's not like Monmouth can't play with these teams. Now, 
James Madison is a different level. I understand that. But I, I, I don't think Mammoth is going to go in there and get embarrassed. I really don't. Uh, you can read my stuff at, on the Asbury Park Press website, app.com, and on Twitter, at Steve Edelson, APP. Thank you, Steve, for providing that insight on Monmouth football heading into their game at James Madison. And thank you for listening. As always, we really appreciate it. Follow the station at 1029 ESPN on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Coulter on Twitter at Skyline Sports MT. And follow Ryan on Twitter at Gus Tutel. If you would like to follow myself, I'm at Mr. David Graff on Twitter at David Graff on Instagram. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please, please let us know any feedback. If you've got it, we're listening. Enjoy your weekend and gamble responsibly. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.